Welcome to Christian Faith Center. We're a church that meets in multiple locations. If you'd like to know more about our church, just head to our website, experiencecfc.com. Thanks for joining us. You guys ready for the Word of God today? Hey, I, I am so excited. This week we had our, uh, our regional pastors conference, and so we've had some pastors in from out of town. Our staff have been gathering together and just dreaming and believing God. Pastor Nathan told me that our team planned out our next 10 church plants. Come on, somebody. And, uh, but today, guys, we have such a special treat. When we, have, uh, when we have leaders from out of the state and around the nation in town, one of my favorite things to do is to extend an invitation for them to speak here and expose you to some of the leading pastors and voices in our nation. And today we have a real treat. One of my dear friends, he is the director of the Church Multiplication Network, which is the church planting arm of the Assemblies of God. We have planted thousands of churches and uh, hundreds even just recently. Matter of fact, four brand new churches start today through the the Church Multiplication Network. Uh, this man is a great leader. He came from a local church. He was a church planter, multiplied his church from one location into five locations in five years in the Seattle region. And uh, more than that, he is a great friend. He's a great leader. He's a great husband. He, he, him and his wife have produced some full-on ox sons that are almost as big as me. Not quite. I still got them. But almost, but more than that, he loves Jesus. God is using him around the nation and the world to impact the kingdom of God. And so I'd love you to do this. Stand up on your feet and let's show some honor to Dr. Jeffrey Portman as he comes to bring the word of God to Thank us you. today. Thank you. Love you, Dad. <laughs> love you. I love you. <clears throat> All right. CFC family. You ready? Now, I will say this. I know you're ready, but it doesn't even matter. I'm still going to bring the heat, okay? So uh, what a powerful time of worship. Man, I hope that communion was for you that reminder of God meeting you at your brokenness, not at your goodness or your wholeness or when you've, you know, you've kind of picked yourself up and put yourself, not in your church best, just like at your, at your uh. That's how God meets us. So Jordan and Amanda, we love you guys. I'm grateful for the friendship. It's cool to to do life and ministry with people you love that you would choose to hang out with. And we love your team. The team you have is dynamic. And so uh, having the privilege of leading the Church Multiplication Network, I get to interact with incredible leaders like your pastors. And not just here, but across every one of your campus. I want to say, what's up, Oroville Campus? What's up, Boise? We love what God's doing across all of CFC. So in the CMC fam- CFC family, you're part of propelling the gospel across the street and around the world, right? So let me just give you some things to celebrate. In, in the church multiplication network, which you guys are a part of, Jordan and your pastors help train other pastors. Amanda, you, you, your voice echoes in helping other people become who God called them to be. So since 2008, we have planted 4,323 churches. And you think about that. That number, you're like, that's great. But think about the single moms and dads that have had people gather around them. You think about that, that widow or that widower that's like, man, they're lonely, they're lost, and they need community. You think about the addicted and the abused, and the gospel breaks all of the chains. It reaches into our brokenness. That's why we plant churches, because Jesus rescues us. So even just during COVID, the last couple of years, we've planted 427 churches. And we just say to God be the glory and keep doing it, God. 
keep doing it. Well, I want to introduce my family. They're not able to travel with me, but I do want you to meet them. So uh, that is my wife to my right, you know, next to me. Okay, I can't remember if that left or right. Um, so that's Joanne. We've been married now 28 years, and we are picking up steam. How many have been married 50 years or more? Let me see your hands. All right, congratulations. We celebrate that with you. Listen, everyone of you who's married needs to know this. Marriage works. It's worth fighting for. I know that we, marriage is two-way street. So but you just say, as, as much as it's up to me, I'm going to lean in and I'm going to fight. And so we just honor you. I know, you know, 28 years, you're like, oh, that's cute. But, you know, we're going to catch you. We're going to catch you, okay? So Joanne, best friend there. In the middle is Josiah, our youngest son. He is, we call him man-child. I mean, Jordan makes him look small, but he, I'm the little guy at her house, like at 6'2". He's like, hey, what's up, little buddy? Um, but Josiah and his wife, Maria, they were dating for like three and a half years. We said, lock it down, bro. Either you, you lock it down or we're keeping her and you're out of here, right? <laughs> so they got married, and uh, we just love that. They love Jesus. And next to Maria is our other daughter in love, Brittany. And then on the outside is our oldest son, Justice. And uh, they're youth pastors at our hub campus outside of Seattle at New Hope Church, and man, what a joy to have them. Um, that's my home team right there. That's my starting lineup. But you know what? Every time the Lord gives me the privilege of ministering anywhere, I'll text them and say, hey, would you pray with me? And would you pray for what God would do? So they're praying for us, even this morning, for what God might do. Well, I want to talk about faith today, okay? I know we've been in uh, as a nation, as, you know, communities, in awesome times, but also in really difficult times. And it's interesting that sometimes when uh, the book of James says the testing of our faith develops perseverance, but none of us would say, yeah, I'd love some tests. Where do I get those? Do I, can I sign up for one? Are there extra text, tests I can take? Like, we don't want that, but yet it reveals something about who we are, but more importantly, about who God is. So before I jump into the text, um, true story, okay, I call this guy Lawn Chair Larry, okay, you, maybe you've heard this before, if you've got, you can Google it later, true story, he's a resident of Los Angeles, and he had just got tired, kind of like got bored with life, so he went down to his local Navy, Ar- Army and Navy surplus store, he bought 75 used weather balloons, he tied them to a lawn chair that was tied into the back of a truck, and he inflated them. He got into the lawn chair, and he brought three things with him. He brought a peanut butter and jam sandwich, my kind of guy. He brought a six-pack, maybe your kind of guy, okay? And he brought a fully loaded BB gun, okay? So um, two and a half hours into his adventure, um, a, a pilot, a 737 pilot, is in LAX airspace, and he radios the tower, and he says this, I... Um, I see what looks like a perfectly still man lying in a lawn chair with a rifle across his chest. So you could imagine this got the attention of, uh, you know, the LAX peeps. And so um, somehow, not sure how, the, the LA SWAT team was able to lasso him and pull him down. He was fined $4,000. It was reduced to 1500 But here is his objective. Like, he, he, he says, and I quote, I'm quoting him, I wanted to see things from a different perspective, and get a different lens on life. Uh, Mission accomplished, okay? But he also, here's what he's thinking. He thought, I'll just drift up, kind of check out my neighborhood, take some pictures maybe, have a beer, my sandwich, and then when I want to pop back down, I'll just, there's this thing called 
wind, right? So he drifts. He passes out. Now, he was interviewed. He did. He, this is a true story. He was interviewed by a local journalist, and they asked him three questions, okay? And I'm going <laughs> to... I'm going to give you the Lawn Chair Larry version um, that I can share in church because his answers were not church appropriate, okay, um, or, you know, biblically appropriate. So um, here's, here's, what, here's the first question. Were you scared? And what I can share, what he said was, yes, okay? <laughs> not a lot that I can share other than that. Um, would you do it again? And what I can share of his answer is no, Okay. <laughs> And then here's the question. Why did you do it? And here's what he says. I just got tired of sitting around. And I'm thinking, bro, there's a lot. I mean, there's a lot more ways to kind of see things from a different perspective than tethering yourself to a rocket and getting shot up into space. But it's interesting how all of us were saying, sometimes in life, like we think the moment we say yes to follow Jesus— It's going to be like puppy dogs and bloom bouquets and rainbows. We're like, oh, this is going to be so easy. And I'll find Mr. or Mrs. Wright and probably going to get the best job ever. And and, and then it doesn't happen. And they're like, wait, I thought, I thought when I follow Jesus, everything's easy. And our faith gets a little bit tested. If not careful, what happens is what started as faith, circumstances, scenarios, hurt and heartache, and now it becomes fear. So I want to talk today about faith and fear. Maybe faith or fear. And which one we're going to lean into. I wrote this in my notes because I think this might help some of us. Fear is a natural place to start. We just can't stay there. I mean, you think about it. The moment, like how many of you right now, you're you're sitting next to your sweetheart. And and, and men, when you went to go ask her, that that was fearful. Like, What's she going to say? Now, maybe you're like, oh, it was easy, you know, Rico Suave. But most of us are like, I don't know how they're going to respond. So we're used to taking steps of, of faith, and, and fear kind of rises up next to it, right? Fear is a natural place to start. Maybe you say, I'm going to forgive somebody. I'm going to extend grace. Maybe I'm going to begin to trust God with my finances. I'm saying yes to tithing. And the moment you like, write that check or you, you know, set it in motion online, you're like, Ugh. faith and fear. Faith doesn't always feel like the natural place to start. But what happens is as we lean more into who God is, as we get deeper and deeper into his word, what we begin to discover is we can lean into faith, not into fear. So the writer of Hebrews said this to define faith. Faith is being, chapter 11, verse 1, faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. You fast forward a few verses, verse 6, it says, and without faith... It's actually impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who what? Earnestly or diligently seek him. You know, when I was preparing this, I was thinking about what do I diligently seek? Personalize it. What do you diligently seek? What are you like all in on? What are you totally passionate about? And if we're honest, most of our culture is like finding that special someone, right? You're like, I'm single and ready to mingle. You're like, I'm hoping, I'm a, not me, but you know, you, hopeful. And you're diligently pursuing, maybe it's fitness or financial health. Maybe it's a career, that promotion. 
It, it, we, we can put so many things that we're diligently seeking. I, I put it this way. We have the right priorities, but some, sometimes we get them in the wrong order. And what started is like a really good thing, like work is worship. It's a good thing. It kind of can begin to hijack our lives. Maybe you're saying, I, I'm going to extend grace to someone. I'm going to choose forgiveness over revenge. The moment you're about to step out, there's a tension. And I, I'll put it this way. Faith and fear live right next to each other. And you've got to decide which one you're going to invite over. Because the moment I'm going to step out, the moment I'm going to choose grace, the moment I'm going to choose kindness, the, the moment I'm going to say yes to God, that bullseye is obedience, right? The moment I'm, I'm going to lean in, like part of me is like, but what if? Yeah. And God, I don't know if you're going to. Faith and fear live right next to each other. The apostle Peter got this. So here, here's, it's not on the screen, but just to give a context. Jesus had fed 5,000 men plus women and children. So 15, 20 25,000 people. Miracle, right? And so Jesus says, hey, why don't you guys go over to the other side of the lake, and, and basically, you know, I'll, I'll see you there. So disciples get in the boat. They're heading over, and Jesus is, like, just walking across the lake. <laughs> have, you, have you ever done that? <laughs> yeah, I, I haven't either, right? So that's not normal. It's not, like, feel, that's not how stuff works, right? It's super in the natural, Right? So when, when the disciples saw him, they freaked, ah, they freaked out. Like, it must be a ghost. And Jesus like, it's not a ghost, it's me. And then we, we see this. Peter says, uh, Matthew 14, Lord, if it's you, Peter says, which, by the way, God, let me have the kind of faith like Peter to even ask these kind of questions. Lord, if it's you, tell me to come out to you on the water. And Jesus like, come on. Faith and fear. Then Peter got down out of the boat. Listen, when there's one guy out of, invited him out of the boat, there's 11 saying, don't do it. Right, because he throws his leg over the railing. To walk on water? Faith and fear. In that moment, Peter is saying, do I trust Jesus? <coughs> Sorry, I shouldn't yell. Do I trust Jesus or do I trust what I can see? Here's what I'll say to you. What gets our attention determines our direction. <clears throat> what you think about matters. Yeah, thanks, bro. What you think about matters. What you put your attention on matters. I'll just leave it just in case. Because <clears throat> I might get excited again in a second here. <clears throat> you ever bought a new car or like a new-to-you car? And you never saw them on the road, and now that you own one, you're like, they're everywhere. <laughs> you ever get a haircut? You're like, I'm not sure I'm going to do that haircut. You get that haircut, and you're like, everyone has this haircut. <clears throat> what gets our attention determines our direction, and I think eventually our affection. So why is it important for us to say yes to faith over fear? Because that's what God invites us to, to put our attention onto. Now, I, I get this. None of us seated here are saying, oh, I'd rather choose fear over faith. That fear sounds a lot more fun. No, it doesn't. But what is it that keeps us from trusting God? I'll propose this. We learn to trust God by taking steps of faith, not steps of fear. You ever done a trust fall? Or, or, or like been part of a trust fall? Here's a trust fall. Basically, if I was to spin around backwards 
and then like fall backwards off the stage, I would trust people to catch me as I what? Fall, okay? You see the reason those words are put together? Trust, fall, okay? So it's like trust, don't, don't fall. And that's what some of us are like, I want, oh, God, I trust you. Woo, love Jesus, trust him so much, but I'll never fall. Oh, all in. All, Pat Jordan was so with you. So with you. Never going to pray. Not going to give. Don't even show up and I won't bring a friend. Oh, bro, I got you. That's not, that's not, you see the disconnect? So trustful saying, I trust, but I'm also going to actually do something at some point. Faith is, is actually supposed to be active. It's not passive. Jesus, now, are there times where God says, be still? Yeah. So the, the, the bullseye is obedience. But when I step out in faith, I'm saying, God, I'm going to follow you. So let me ask this, and this is critical. Like, who is our faith in? Because you can't put trust or faith in someone or something that is untrustworthy, right? Or faithless. And here's what we see. John 1. John's Jesus' cousin. He's writing. He's like the forebearer. He's saying, listen, someone's coming after me. The Messiah is on the way. Fulfillment of prophecy. And he writes this, John chapter 1. The word became flesh. That's a capital W. It's important when you're reading to see where that is because that's referencing Jesus. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We, we, We sing about it at Christmas. Emmanuel, God with us. Here's what God's saying. I love you so much that I'm uninterested in being apart from you. So God's not out there somewhere far off and distant. I get why we think that. Like, you ever, have you ever gazed at stars? Have you ever, have you ever watched sh- stars shoot across the sky? Uh, a falling star? So as a kid, I would do that with my sisters. We'd be out in the patio at night, you know. And we're watching, and we're watching. And then someone's like, man, God's up in heaven. Okay, so stars are up there. God's up there. He must be way out there. And we get this idea that God, and if you, don't, if you don't look right at the right moment, you miss him. And so we have this false idea of who God is. No, God is Emmanuel. He's God present. He's with us. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. Why did he do that? Because in order to die as a human, he had to live as a human. He had to take on human flesh. He had to take on human form. And yet he was fully God. He carried all of the deity, the... Uh, of all of God in, in his human form. And that's what allowed him to conquer hell and death and eventually rise from the dead. What does it say? We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son. For God's soul of the world, he gave us a one and only son. That's Jesus. We've seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son who came from the father, full of grace and truth. So who are we putting our faith in? Him. But let me ask this question. What are you full of? <laughs> you ever have someone say to you, you're full of it? Not a compliment. <laughs> when my wife's like, you're full of it. I'm like, I know she's not saying, oh, you're awesome. Jesus was full of grace and truth. And that's why we can have faith in him. That's why we can have confidence. So why did he come? Did he come because we're so messed up and broken? No. God did not just come because of our badness. He came because of his goodness. Because you're not even the main character of the story. 
That's weird for us because we want to be the center. But Jesus like saying, no, I, I want to be the center. So your faith is not resting on who you are or, or your capacity to just be good long enough. It's based on the one who's perfect. And Jesus came to seek and to save the lost. I love that it doesn't say Jesus came to seek and save really good people. Because none of us would qualify in our own strength. Aren't you grateful that God reaches into the brokenness of humanity with his grace and his truth? That he reaches into the brokenness of my life. And listen, if we had to, if we had to like get ourselves all prepped on the inside and outside, we would never be able to get to the place where God's like, good, you're right where I, I want you, perfect. No, he says, you're right where I want you broken, and I'm going to send a Savior. And that's where Jesus becomes the hope. He's not our last hope. He's our only hope. So we boldly look to him. We, we, we uh, anchor ourselves into him. I wrote this in my notes, and maybe it was a reminder for me, but maybe it would be helpful for you, that we must learn to remember and remember to forget. Here's what I mean by that. Isn't it true sometimes that we let go of stuff we should hold on to, and we hold on to stuff we should let go of. And listen, faith is this invitation to say, God, the things you're inviting me to step into, to step out in, to surrender. And Pastor Jordan talked about it. I'm exchanging my anxiety for your peace. I'm saying yes to you. So I'm going to choose, I'm going to let go of stuff that I have been holding on to that you're saying, you're not supposed to carry that anymore. I got that. But I'm also going to hold on to the promises you've spoken the truth of your word. So non-scientific poll. Um, how's your memory? Raise your hand if you have a good memory. Let me ask. Come on, put your hand up. Way, this is a lot stronger gathering than the last one, okay? Memory-wise. Okay. Uh, second question, how many have a bad memory? Let me see your hand. Okay, I was wrong. It's the, the first, the, the earlier one, okay? Last question, how many of you don't remember the question? Okay. <laughs> You're in category two. Two and three are the same category, okay? Our tendency is to remember stuff we should let go of. Come on, someone said something to you when you're 14. You're like, can you believe what she said? That's, that's fine if you're 14 in like two days. But if you're 40, do you remember what she said? Like 14, let me do the math. That's too long ago. We hold on to stuff. Listen, if you're going to hold on to something, hold on to the truth of God's love for you. That God would set in motion. Oh, man, his search and rescue mission is you. That he would love you so much that he would send his son. Why? Because broken people are God's specialty. Oh, that's more good news. Broken people. Who's that? All of us. Right. <laughs> That's interesting. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever would believe in him, they wouldn't perish, but have eternal life. That's John 3, 16, one of the anchor scriptures, one of the central gospel chunks of scripture. But do you know the next verse? Verse 17 says this. For God didn't send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to rescue, to save the world through him. Why? Because you're God's search and rescue mission. And the good news of the gospel is that it reaches into the brokenness of all of our lives, and it brings healing. So let me ask this then. If we're his search and rescue mission, he's inviting us to trust him by faith, 
Can someone be too broken? I, I, I only wrote that question not because that's even theologically sound, but because the world wonders. Can I have done too much? Can I have gone too far? Can I have been too abused or too addicted or too fill in the blank and wonder like, God, I'm, I honestly can, I'm humpty. And whether you got pushed or you fell, like all the king's horses and all the king's men, doesn't seem like they can put you back together again. And maybe that's exactly where you find yourself right now. No one can be too broken for the grace of God. Listen, Oroville, Boise, Nampa, the reach and the grasp of God's grace can get to you. And it's not because he's mad at you, it's because he loves you. He's mad about you, not mad at you. This is, this is the good news of the gospel. Is Jesus unwavering and unchanging? That's what the Bible says. How many, how many of you get up sometimes and just have like bad days? And if, if you don't, just point at the person next to you that does, okay? How about just bad hair days? Some of us assume Jesus has bad hair days because, you know, every picture he's got the long flowing hair, right? You're like, dude, every picture, that dude's got perfect hair. No, he had tough days, right? But the Bible makes it clear. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. We're like, that doesn't make sense because I'm not. My boss isn't. And, and if you're married, your spouse. And if you're kids, you're like, did he have kids? Because anyway, we wouldn't be the same if he had kids, right? No, he would because he's God. He wasn't just man. He was fully God. So let's talk about his character. So we have, um, you know, a little Apple TV thing you plug in. You have Apple, whatever, Okay. So what happens if you're listening to music ever on it, and it's, you've been having it play for a while, after you choose the, you know, whatever artist or album, s- some images begin to scroll on the TV. So it's meadows and mountains. It's epic, beautiful, professional pictures. But there's also these predator animals. Polar bear, lion, there's like a cheetah, you know, climbing something. Now, we have two dogs. Now, actually, we have one now, but we had two dogs. And, and our two dogs, Boog and Oliver, okay? <clears throat> and Boog, Boog's a warrior, okay? He's one of the most fiercest dogs. Honestly, it's hard for me to even express how fierce he is. Now, he does fit in a small shoebox, okay? Uh, he has what I call little dog's disease, okay? So he is a, he is a pug and a Norwegian elk hound. I don't know how, okay? I'm not even sure how that all, but he came out, Okay? And um, he, so an, a Norwegian elk hound will p- chase its prey to exhaustion. Not the dog's exhaustion, the prey's exhaustion. So they're like just spent, and then, they're, and then their owner's like, okay, here's the animal, right? And then a pug, you know what pugs are? They were tra- trained initially to chase down bears. What? what? Yeah. Crazy. They had this warrior mentality. So this dog, Boog, was an athlete. He could jump over stuff. And then Oliver, our second dog, was a, is a um, church version, a Shih Tzu, okay? There's another way to say that, okay? You thought it, okay? Zoo, okay? And so um, they're a t- dynamic duo, right? So Oliver would dig holes under the fence, and then he's too thick, and then Boog would scoot out. Like, we would get to the house. Oliver would be muddy. You know, it looked like he got drugged through the mud. Boog would be pristine and clean. Because D- Oliver did all the digging. Boog got out. Well, Boog had this 
passion to protect Joanne, my wife. So he'd sit on his stool, and as music would play, and now these images would start scrolling, he would see these lion or the polar bear. And every time he saw these, these images on the TV screen, he would think they're in our living room. So really smart, but not totally smart, right? So he would spring off of the stool, and he would try to jump up onto the TV stand, like the fireplace thing, and he would bark like crazy. First time he did it, I'm like, that is so cute. The seventh time, I'm like, why do we have dogs, right? <laughs> it was so annoying. But he kept doing it, and he kept doing it. Finally, we, whenever we would be doing the, the app, by the way, someone told me you can change it so the images don't scroll, okay? Before we had that figured out, we would put a black sheet over the TV, okay? Because every time he saw those animals, he thought he had to go chase or protect us. You know Why? Because it's in his DNA. It's his nature. You know the nature of God? Unwavering in his love for you. His kindness, what the Bible says, his kindness leads us to repentance. Not his anger, not his disappointment. He's like not up there like, oh, I'm so mad at you. He's like, I love you so much, I'm sending my son. Like that's who we have faith in. That's who we look to. That's who we tether ourselves to. So how do we respond? Jesus says this, Sermon on the Mount. He says, after you've experienced the hope in Christ, new life, he says, let your light shine before people, before men, that they might see your good deeds. What does that mean? I think it means like loving people to life. Like that's just the gospel lived out. Best sermon ever, in my opinion, Sermon on the Mount. Let your light shine before men that they might see your good deeds, your life in action, and praise your Father in heaven. What a beautiful invitation. What a a powerful reminder that God gives us that we play a part in his Luke 19.10, that he came to seek and to save the lost, and then he invites us on his mission. Now, how do we go? As we are. Messy, <laughs> in process. You ever been to Ikea? The, the storeroom model, you're like, that's going to look great in our living room. Then you get it home, and like seven hours later, there's still bolts that are not put in. You're like, it's fine. It's fine. It's going to be just fine. We got a crib from Ikea one time, and partway through, I told Joanne, my wife, I'm like, we don't even need this. She's like, we're having a kid. We need it. There's just process. So living a life of faith doesn't mean you have everything all figured out. That doesn't mean your life is like perfectly ironed out. All of the creases are, that's not what it means. It means that Jesus is continuing to become more and more the Lord of your life. Aren't you grateful that God meets us at our brokenness, not at our finished version? And that's the message of the gospel. Now I believe this, God has strategically placed all of us in this room Followers of Jesus. Listen, Orville, Boise, every one of you and every, all, everyone watching online, you have been placed in, in, in different places, but with the same purpose. And as a follower of Jesus, we're invited to join Jesus on his mission to do what? Seek and save the lost. To let our lights, our lives shine. That people would say, hmm, I want to investigate a little bit more what you're talking about.
But I often say this. Most people will see the gospel before they hear it. They're going to just see it in our lives. My neighbor would be one example of that. We moved in on the very same day. Not where we live now, but where we lived outside of Seattle. Justin and Amber moved in the same day. Became good friends with his wife, Joanne and his wife. Immediately connected. We bar- let him borrow a fridge. Theirs was on back order. Their kids were adorable. But me and Justin, for whatever reason, he wasn't really interested. So I had what I would call a man nod relationship with him for about eight months. And so he would mow his lawn, and whenever he mowed his lawn, I would mow my lawn. Even if I'd mowed my lawn this, the day before or two days before, I'm telling you, the lines of my lawn were tight, okay? So, but I, listen, when you're on mission, when you're a church plant, when you love lost people, you try to meet them right where they're at. You build bridges of connection, right? So we're like man nod stuff, right? He'd have a flat bill on, like to the brows, right? And he'd have a hoodie on and earbuds, and he'd be doing it, and I'd be like, hey, you know? Not being weird. I'm making it like, I wasn't super weird. Like, there's a, there's a fine line between, like, pursuing friendship and stalker. <laughs> Stay out of the stalker category, right? So, boys are playing catch. Justice and Josiah playing catch with football in the backyard. Ball goes over the fence into their backyard. And our houses were so close. Like, you could borrow sugar from them and still touch your house, right? Like, okay, I'm still at home base, right? That, that type of thing. So the ball goes over, the gate's locked, and we told, our boy, we told our boys, you cannot climb over the fence. Because, again, at 6'3 and 6'4, it's cute when you're 11, but when you can snap the boards, that's a problem, right? So try to go around, gate's locked, so Joanne messages Amber. Hey, ball's in the backyard, try to get it. Can we come get it later? So fast forward about five hours, and ding dong. Doorbell rings. I go to the front door, and Justin's there. No hat, no hoodie. Like, you have hair, right? You know? And so he hands me the football, and uh, he doesn't leave the porch. Now, I'm in <laughs> uncharted territory here because we had always done that, and I was super good at that. But now what? And here's the now what. You just talk. Say, hey, what's going on, man? And he begins to open up. He's like, hey, I... Uh, I don't know if you heard, but I just lost my job. Got fired. And he said, it wasn't like I was fired because I was a bad worker, but uh, I got let go because, you know, we're downsizing. So he says, I don't know what we're going to do. But, you know, he said, I, I heard you, you had this church thing you guys do, right? I'm like, yeah. And our deal at New Hope was you're always invited, you're never expected. Like, not low pressure, no pressure. Because when people lean in, then we lean back. So I'm like, yeah, you know, movie theater, 9, 10.30. He's like, okay, you know, we might check it out sometime. This is the longest, this three-and-a-half-minute conversation, maybe five minutes, longest conversation we'd ever had. So they show up at church next week. I'm in the lobby between gatherings, you know, because every theater has sticky floors, right, popcorn smell, right? And he comes out, and he's like, I'm like, I didn't even know he's there. It's so dark in the theater. I'm like, that's awesome you're here. You know, do you enjoy it? He's like, nah, not really. (laughs) Now, I wanted to say this. I'm glad you're seated. All campuses. Pastors have feelings like people. I was expecting a little bit more response than that, but it's true. 
Like sometimes people think, oh, I can just say whatever I want. No, you can't. You can't. And by the way, if you do, and then we see you, we're like, ah. <laughs> right? Like we care, but we also are people, right? So I wasn't mad at him all. I'm just like, dude, he's there, right? So he said, I didn't really, I didn't really dig it, but my wife loved it, and our kids had a blast. I'm like, bing, we win with kids. Now, what he didn't know, but I did, was he had no shot. Why? Because the gospel is good news for broken people. And you hear the good news long enough, you're like, how do I get that? I can't fix my life. I can't solve stuff. I can't make myself. I, I, I can't. Sometimes I need outside help to experience an inward transformation. I can't quite do this on my own. Well, he would eventually give his life to Christ. I got to baptize him. Oh, man. A powerful moment. They began to volunteer in the youth ministry. They're, they're friends to this day. We move. We still text and share pictures. Some of us would say, I would live by faith, but I don't really feel like I have what it takes to represent Jesus. Can I just tell you sometimes the most obvious way to live your faith is just be a good friend. It's not even fancy. You're like, oh, I thought it was something fancy. Like I got to memorize a whole bunch of chunks. I mean, you need to be in the Word. And when you're in the Scriptures, they like flow through you, right? But like this isn't about memorizing a bunch of stuff. And do you need to be anchored theologically? Yeah. But I think just being a good friend is a really beautiful way to, to live out your faith. And you just, you might not know what someone's dealing with, what they're going through. Even in this room, this, this many people across each campus, that many people in every chair, they're just dealing with life. And they're saying, I want, I want to have faith, but man, I've got, I got a lot of reasons for fear. And we diffuse those by just being a friend. So I, I want to finish with this. You know, whenever we gather, we, we think through and, and try to ask, how do we make this sticky, right? How do I live this out beyond uh, an hour-ish long service? So here's, here's three things I believe the gospel tells us. Number one is this. Broken people are God's specialty. And that means whew, all of us in this, in this gathering, all of us watching, are eligible for God's grace. And maybe you're here and you say, I don't know Jesus. I know about him, but I don't know him. And this weekend, I want to surrender my life to Christ. Broken people, which again, is all of us, until Christ rescues us. Broken people are God's specialty. Here's, here's the second thing. Fear stands no shot against faith. Faith always defeats fear. It's greater. It's stronger than and here's the last one. All of us in this room, and I think this is part of God's divine design for humanity, we are all going to go to different places, but we have the same purpose. If you're a follower of Jesus, it's to bring uh, some sort of evidence of faith with us into every community, into the office, in the neighborhood, with your coworkers, with your classmates. That's going on mission with Jesus. And that's living faith over fear. I want to pray for us. 
I know every week we create an opportunity to respond. The first uh, decision of response is by far the most important. Like this is more important than who you marry, what you do for a living, where you live, all these things. And it's have, have you responded to the grace of God extended to you through Jesus Christ? Do you understand this, that Jesus isn't your last hope? He is your only hope. There's not multiple ways. Jesus says, I'm the way and the truth and the life, and no one comes to the Father into relationship with God, alignment with God, except through me. So God, God wants to meet us today in our brokenness with his grace. And if you say, man, I've been longing and looking for that. In just a second, I'm going to lead us in a prayer. But I also know this. Many of us have been followers of Jesus for some time. And you're saying, I'm wrestling in this season with some fears that maybe I'm in uncharted territory, uncharted waters. Some, some of them might have snuck up on me. And I'm like, why am I, why am I, why does that feel heavy to me when it hasn't before? And we can just find peace. We can find rest for our souls when we look to him. Faith or fear? Which one are you going to invite over? Would you bow your head across this room, across all campuses? And if you're, if you're listening and you say, listen, I want to accept Christ. And I talk to people all the time and say, I want, I, I want to, but I don't know how. So here's what the Bible says. If we confess our need, our sins to him, he'll forgive us. If we believe in our heart that Jesus is Lord and confess with our mouth that God raised him from the dead, we'll be saved. And there's no magic words you have to string together, but it is a declaration and a recognition from your heart of your need for a savior your need to be rescued, your need for Christ. And that's your desire. You can pray something like this. Jesus, today, I give my life to you. And it's so obvious that I can't rescue myself. My sin, my susceptibility, the patterns that have marked my life are broken. And I invite you to forgive me and heal me. Thank you for meeting me at my worst and at my brokenness. I choose to follow you. And I declare over my life, you are Lord. In Jesus' name. And for everyone across all campuses that made that decision today, or maybe you're re-upping, we want to walk with you. There's a connection card. You can talk to someone at, at the, the next step booth. But let me pray for those of us that would say, I'm wrestling today with fear. I want to step out. I want to forget. Whatever you would say, I, I'm filling the blank. I wish and I, I hope, but fear. Right now, I just want to, I want to invite you to surrender that fear to God. You can exchange your anxiety and your peace and your fear for God's peace. Scripture tells us this, cast all of our anxieties, 
cast all of our fears upon him because he cares for us. God, we just do that right now. Come on, maybe, maybe for you it's like this symbolic gesture with your hands. You say, I've been holding on to stuff with a closed fist, but I'm going to open my hands and say, God, I surrender. I, I am holding on to faith and I'm letting go of fear. CFC, I believe this, that you were never designed to go alone. That's why we have groups. I know there's signups. I know there's opportunity. The bottom line is we were not designed to do a solo mission as we live out our faith. So talk with and walk with and invite someone into your story. And together you hold firmly to faith. And you choose to let go of fear. God, I thank you for where you're taking this great church. God, across each campus, you're up to something that is divine and it's supernatural. God, I pray your blessing and your best over every campus. God, may as they live out the gospel, would community be be transformed. And God, we know the church exists for people who aren't even here yet. So we pray for those communities that you're going to send us into, to those neighborhoods, to those offices. God, to those living rooms and kitchens where we get to bring the good news of the gospel. Work to and work through us, we ask. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I want to invite you to stand if you can, and let's reflect and respond to God's word today.
God. We are ready for more of you. God, would you help us to all choose faith over fear? God, would you just be with us? Would you bless your church? God, we are ready for you. We're ready for more. God, we thank you that it's your kindness that draws us into you, Lord. God, we just worship you. We say thank you, God. Thank you for this message, Lord. We take it to heart to be better friends, to, to love people to life, God, actively in our communities, God. Would you, would you have your way? In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Yeah, so good. Thank you so much for that word. I am so blessed and encouraged by it. Man, I'm going to choose faith over fear, and I, I'm so glad. I'm so glad. Hey, and I want to just say, if you received Jesus today, if you just accepted him into your heart, welcome to the family of God. We are so glad. We are so excited for you. And we do, we have resources for you at our next step table there in the back of the sanctuary. We've got a Bible and we've got a following Jesus book. You know, it's like, what do you do now, right? We want to help you take those next steps. Um, So we have a book for you called Following Jesus. We can pray with you. So please make sure you stop by before you head out today. We would love to resource you and we're so excited. And then I want to let you know next week, we're going to be wrapping up our Stronger series. My husband is going to be back preaching. And so I know he's going to be super fired up after being out for a couple weeks. So it's going to be good. You're not going to want to miss it. And we'll see you next week, friends. Go God.